What's up, everyone, and welcome to another installment of the Justin Insight Podcast. As always, my name is Tim Birkbeck. I am a writer. I am a lover of music, films, and wrestling, but most importantly of all, I am your body and vehicle through this podcast. Um, there's a couple of things that I want to mention this week before we get into the episode. Um, firstly, if you've supported the Safer Scenes Project, which was mentioned in the War and Women episode last week, then thank you very much. Your, uh, all your support is obviously going to a really good cause. Um, and it's going to support stuff that's going on over warps or over the summer in America. Uh, secondly, people living in the UK really urge you guys to register to vote. Um, you have until midnight tomorrow, so please make sure you make a difference uh, in the elections coming up on June 8th. Um, it only takes a few minutes to register, and yeah, your voice will be heard. Um, now, I know I'm not really one to, to get into all politics and things like that. That's not what this podcast is about whatsoever. Um but for the last week and a half, it's all that's kind of been going through my head with work, uh, having to deal with politicians and all the different candidates that are up for election in my area of um, that I cover from my from my newspaper. Um, and just kind of hearing some of the stuff they're coming out with, it's just like even the people that I am more likely going to vote with for, um, just some of the stuff they're coming out with is just absolute nonsense. Um, and to be honest... I don't think many people just don't really care and that's the sad thing that we've got this opportunity to kind of not necessarily change our country but have a have a view on it and nobody really cares so please if you if you live in the UK and you have the opportunity then register to vote have your voice be heard and if you want to make a change this is the way to do it this is the perfect way to to make a difference um so yeah go out vote in June 8th um you can probably hear me say this again nearer the time but um yeah just wanted to mention that because as i said again it's been a really heavy uh work week for me so i haven't really been doing that much fun stuff um but i did get to go see my good friends in narwhals when they played in southampton on friday um try and catch them as much as they can but obviously they're really busy touring um i should probably see them more in brighton than i do anywhere else because obviously that's where the guys live um but they were kind enough to to have a little chat with me um, and so they will be the guests on next week's episode. Um, they were supported by a band called Kamikaze Girls, who I'd heard of, but hadn't really kind of checked out that much. Um, but was really sort of impressed with them. Um, came away, bought their uh, their record, Sad, um, which <laughs> kind of social anxiety got the best of me because I'd been kind of hanging out with the Narwhals guys all day. Um, and obviously the Kamikaze Girls were sort of hanging around as well. Um, and then Lucinda uh, from the band was obviously doing their merch. I kind of bought the record and she obviously kind of wanted to have a little bit of a chat. But me being the awkward guy that I am, just kind of bought the record and went, yeah, cheers, bye, and just walked away. Um, so if you're listening, I do apologise. And hopefully next time I see you, I'll be more inept of having a conversation. Um, but other than that, it's been quite, quite a slow week. Uh, the other kind of big news that's kind of hit everyone in the kind of rock alternative music scene... Uh, was obviously the news that uh, Chris Cornell of um, Soundgarden Audio fame uh, sadly committed suicide uh, this week. Um, I will admit, I, I wasn't the biggest Soundgarden fan. Obviously, like as I got older, I kind of heard their music a bit more and kind of got into them, but I still wouldn't say I'm a massive fan. Um, but the first Audio Slave record, I absolutely loved. And I remember listening to that on holiday while I was in France with like my family um, and things like that. But yeah, all, like hearing all the stuff... Uh, coming out after Chris's death about sort of the situation um, all the kind of things surrounding it apparently 
the last show they did the, the night of his death that he was sort of talking on stage about uh, like ending his life and things like that um, rumours coming out that the, the um, medication he was on to kind of help him with his anxiety kind of ha- may have had an adverse effect um, so it kind of shows that anxiety and issues surrounding that kind of really have a knock-on effect to anyone really and it, it doesn't matter how big or famous you are that these things can affect you in, in different ways and so, sadly obviously Chris took his life at just age 52 so it was, it was a really massive loss to the alternative music scene. Black hole sun, won't you come? Wash away the rain. Black hole sun, won't you come? Won't you come? Won't you come? Uh, on a more upbeat note, um, the wonderful OHN who provides us with our intro slash outro music for the show uh, has just released a new EP. Uh, it's called In All Honesty. Um, you can listen to it over at ohnmusic13.bandcamp.com. Um, OHN has been really kind enough to uh, let us sort of air a track from, from the EP here. So this is the title track called uh, An Invitation. So I hope you enjoy it.
Right, so on to today's episode, and we have another wrestling doubleheader. Uh, so this evening we will have WWE uh, Backlash, so we will be talking about that on the regular uh, Tuesday show. Uh, but last night we had uh, the spotlight was shining on NXT TakeOver Chicago. Um, I was joined by good friends Maz Gambadella and Callum Millwood to discuss all things NXT. Um, and as always with these wrestling roundtables, they do contain spoilers. So if you haven't seen the show, you have been warned. So don't moan at me for spoiling the show because you've been warned. Um, anyway, really hope you enjoy the discussion we have. It's quite, in all honesty, it was a really kick-ass show, I thought. So, And there's a lot to, to discuss as you'll hear. So please enjoy the chat that I have with Maz and Callan. And I'll see you on the other side. So we are on part one of yet again another wrestling doubleheader. We have uh, Backlash tomorrow, but first up is uh, NXT TakeOver Chicago. Um, joining me, as always, becoming a regular guest now, is the host of the Bantamania podcast, uh, Maz Gambadella. Maz is currently going through his top 50 wrestling themes on the Bantamania podcast, so highly recommend that. So, Maz, welcome. How are you doing? Yeah, pretty good. Um uh like like callum said a moment ago i'm feeling a bit ropey as well uh because uh after the beers there wasn't anything left to drink in my house except uh <laughs> pink champagne oh nice <laughs> classy classy dude <clears throat> um really and... classy drinking on your own but yeah it was good and uh, a returning guest hasn't been with us in a while is a uh, weather state guitarist and fellow wrestling nerd callum millwoods callum welcome back how are you doing <laughs> All right, mate. I am okay. I'm like, uh, yeah, little ropey. I got out a few beers Didn't whilst watching it. No, the pink, show, but no pink champagne, though. No pink champagne. It's just strictly <laughs> red stripe for me, I'm afraid. But, um, yeah, no, that was. I mean, I'm feeling all right. Cool. Uh, as always, like way we like to start these is just kind of give an oversight of of the pay per view itself. So, I, I think in general, well, from what I'm reading and my kind of opinion. It's probably one of the better takeovers of recent. Like, not saying that other takeovers have been particularly bad, but this one for me particularly stood out. Obviously, there's a match that we'll get to for a reason why, but in general, I think the whole whole takeover was pretty solid. So what, what did you guys think of it, Callan? If I start with you, yeah, it was. I think, I, yeah, I think it's one of the better takeovers we've seen in a long, long time now. Um, I think the last few. I've been a bit on the fence about like there's been some moments that is great and the wrestling's been good but I feel like this one's the first one in a long time that has just absolutely rocked the house from front to back yeah like the card was just stacked and it was amazing and each match I think everyone performed so so well um I think this is going to be you know one of the more fondly remembered takeovers that we've had in recent years anyway yeah I think it's kind of Odd because I, I don't know if, if you guys felt this way, but going into it, there was kind of little to no expectation, and then it just kind of completely blew blew the roof off the place. So, Maz, what what did you think? Uh, I, I agree that um, I think this one 
was definitely way, 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 way better than uh, the last uh, takeover. And I think the reason why is because what we saw in that one was we didn't see any storylines particularly continue or end. It kind of felt like a bit of a uh, sort of a middle ground for storylines. Uh, nothing had really started. But this one, it was great because we saw... So the starts of new feuds, the ends of certain feuds, uh, and it feels like there's finally some buzz back behind NXT now. Yeah. Well, I think if we kind of start with one of the people that NXT seem to be kind of buzzing around, because obviously they're giving the whole backstory into his family, is obviously Roderick Strong uh, going against uh, the leader of Sanity, Eric Young. Um, again, as I, as I mentioned, there, w- there wasn't really kind of much build-up into this match. Obviously, I know Roddy had sort of dealings with Sanity when the whole thing with Ty Dillinger was going on, but obviously this is now a fresh step for, for Roddy. Um, I think me and Callum, we've kind of had this discussion about our sort of impressions of Roddy since he's been on NXT. Um, I'm, I'm a big fan of his anyway from back in his Ring of Honor days, but um, did you guys enjoy this match? I think, like, for me, it was... It was it was a solid opener, like it displayed everything that Roddy needed to display, um, and it didn't really cement sanity. But I think it kind of for me it sh- showed the edge of Killian Dane that WWE obviously want to do something with him further down the line when sanity eventually runs its course. And I don't know if that's just how I've seen things, but Maz, what did you think of this match? Uh, it was a great opener, I thought. Um, basically, I think the position of Sanity at the moment is for them to be opponents to get over new guys. And uh, what we didn't see in the last uh, takeover, unfortunately, was you know uh, Dillinger getting that win over Eric Young. But I guess he eventually did. But um, I think they've established their position quite well in NXT where they're kind of your first obstacle so to speak and what they did with the promo packages going into it is you know there was so much behind roddy in this match you could tell the crowd was super into it and as an opener it was you know it wasn't like super spot heavy but it didn't need to be it just needed to set the tone of the entire night yeah yeah it was awesome um and callan what what did you think because of as Maz mentioned, obviously, it kind of set the tone and it wasn't overly spot heavy. So did you kind of, do you do you echo those thoughts or what do you think? Um, I wouldn't say necessarily spot heavy, but I mean, there was definitely a few moments within this match that I think made Roddy um, kind of, what we've missed from Roddy as a guy is um, he's been very vanilla going in yeah. um, to NXT and I think that's been hard for him to translate over to the new audience. Like, I, I think I mentioned this with you last time, Tim, but I'd, I don't know much of Roddy um, prior to, uh, before what he's been doing in NXT. Yeah. Um, I think this has felt like for me that he's the first match where he's come in just and came out swinging completely. Like he, uh, I mean, the match kicked off straight away with him just grabbing, um, uh, oh, which one was it? Uh, Killian Dane. Uh, yeah, and um, smashing him into the you know the barrier and yeah. the, the bell ring straight away, and he just looked like he was so pumped for this and like. I think, like, the past few weeks on NXT, we've seen that kind of side more so of Roddy and the vignettes, so I think it's been really helping just to not necessarily give him a gimmick, but um, they're kind of just letting him be Roddy, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I think because I think he's such 
a great athlete. I think that's the way they need to go with him at the moment. And um, I think he, with this match in particular, he definitely kind of came across like that. Um, yeah, I think I think this was kind of a showcase for Ronnie, I guess, and it made sense kind of for Eric Young to take the fall on this with, um, with how they've been building Roddy. Mm. Um, but I don't necessarily think it's damaging Sanity that much. I think that obviously I think Sanity have actually had a pretty good winning streak to this point, and um, and I, I think they will continue that. I hope they don't go down the way of Bray Wyatt, like with the spooky kind of faction, and then like he's just going to start taking losses every week, and it doesn't matter. Or, but um, we'll see. I, for me, I think this was a great match anyway. Yeah, uh, obviously touching on Sanity, I think like through various chats that we've had on in the past months and stuff like they're they're obviously a fan like we're we're all kind of fans of what sanity do um but for me the the introduction of well big damo slash killian dane for me is kind of like their x factor and i know like obviously he wasn't heavily involved in this match but there was elements when i thought like there's going to be something they want to do with him whether it be within sanity or as a singles competitor but for for you guys what what would you like to see the next because as you mentioned maz they're kind of like the first hurdle but do, do we want to see them like i don't know a combination of dane and wolf going for the tag titles and eric young in the main title picture or do we want to would you prefer to see them like where they are like canon if we go if you start um i wouldn't i mean it's quite tough uh I wouldn't mind Wolf and um, Dane going together for the titles. I think that would be all right. That would probably, you know, give their faction a bit more intrigue. But um, the only reason I ask is because obviously we've seen Nikki in the women's title, so just like obviously see where else they're going, kind of thing. I mean, yeah. I mean, it makes sense. I think Um, it's yeah. It's hard to kind of see where Sanity are going to go from here. I think that is a bit tough. uh, yeah, who knows? Maybe they'll carry on this thing with Roddy at the moment, but um, it's hard to see where they'll be. I'm not too sure to be yeah. honest. Maz, what about you? Um, I think uh, it might get a bit worrying if they kind of keep doing the same thing over and over because obviously we've seen this now with uh, Roddy, uh, Ty Dillinger. So I'm worried that it will get a bit predictable after a while. Yeah. Um, but I think to put Killian Dane and um, who's the other one? What's, I Alexander always forget Wolf. the other guy's name. Alexander Wolf. Alexander Wolf. If you put them in the tag division, I think that would uh, add a bit of interest to the actual faction itself. Um, but it, you know, the tag teams at the moment are quite heel heavy. So um, yeah, I think I think for them going forward, it seems like them and Roddy seems to be over now but I'm not too sure but um, I guess uh, next we'll be putting over whoever the next guy come in maybe Adam Cole I don't know yeah. whoever's coming in I don't know that's true like um, that's something I was going to talk about with this um, with this whole show is you know recently NXT have had all these new signings and quite big independent stars and not many of those were featured on this show so like I guess there is so many avenues where NXT can go from beyond this pay view. Like, who knows what will happen, really? Yeah, um, and just kind of going into into the match a little bit. Obviously, we said it wasn't overly kind of spot heavy, but I think there was elements where obviously both guys kind of 
showed their strengths. Um, again, I think me and you, Callan, might have spoken with Ben about this on Roddy's first sort of takeover appearance. Like they kind of built him as this kind of master of the backbreaker, and obviously we saw that finish. It was just absolutely nuts. Oh, it was yeah, that ridiculous. was amazing. I, lo- I love that finish. It, look- it looks so good. Yeah. yeah, but like one thing that I kind of noticed was obviously something that Eric Young does, and I don't. It might just be me being like that kind of reality kind of disposition of, of wrestling that sometimes happens. But he does a move that's like on the second rope and he kind of lifts the dude up by their neck to choke them. And I just think that looks so unsafe. I don't know if you guys have got any opinion on that at all, but I don't know. Just the what? way it kind of comes across, it looks really horrible. I, I, must, have, I must have missed that. I... <laughs> oh, okay. But yeah. I about it but uh i don't i mean they're professionals they know what they're doing yeah yeah, i'm not sure like it does it does look very dangerous like you know if i was in that situation i'd be like um yeah let me go please (laughs) yeah (laughs) hashtag young unsafe worker (laughs) (laughs) cool well as we said was so that was a nice sort of tease opener um for the evening and then following that was I think for a lot of people like ourselves in the UK was a match that we were really looking forward to because it was a chance to showcase two of our own so to say in Pete Dunne and Tyler Bate um obviously on the Friday night we had the uh WWE UK special which was filmed in Norwich um I was at that at those tapings um so I kind of went before we get into the match at TakeOver I just kind of wanted to get your perspective of how you saw that product because um, obviously from one thing that I hate doing is when I go to a show I hate watching it back because I don't know for me it just doesn't feel the same as to when I was there um, so I, I, I'm just interested to see how you guys viewed it um, so Maz if I start with you what did you think of the, the UK special and with apart from uh, I think the two guys that obviously were at TakeOver were there any guys that kind of caught your eye? Um well, we had there was about four matches, I believe, on the actual special. Yeah. Um, so as far as as far as people standing out to me, I thought it was interesting. With uh, is it Dan Maloney? Dan yeah. Ma- uh, so he was portrayed more as a uh, a heel uh, in the actual tournament, going back a couple of weeks ago <laughs> or a month ago. Um, to be honest, I. I mean, it was kind of a sort of a generic uh, tag team match. If anything, that tag team match went way too long. Yeah. I think it went way, way longer than it should have done. I mean, there was like three hot tags in the entire match. But um, but yeah, I think it's they're definitely thinking about this going forward. Uh, I mean, there's it's no coincidence that they happened to get Jim Ross for this, uh, for this show, being that he'd just done World of Sport. He knows the product. He knows the talent there. Um, I I thought as far as it's going forward, this has got way more potential for me than 205 Live because there's already intrigue with a lot of the characters, especially like with Dunn and Bait. Um, I, I mean, my favourite bit of... I mean, obviously this is already, uh, already on the internet, but like... The fact that uh, Triple H didn't understand the Dan chance. Yeah, yeah. It was so funny listening to people shouting Dan. Um, oh, my God. It was amazing. Um, See, 
for me, like that. Um, so, like, I was surprised with that match actually because um, I thought it was going to be just essentially a throwaway match because um, uh, you know, obviously, we've seen these guys work a lot together on two hundred five and on yeah. or whatever. But that just the you know the smarky crowd doing the Dan chants the whole way through. <laughs> I was literally in stitches just watching it. Uh, like, I don't you know. Even like Jim Ross picking up on like the TJ as a wanker chance, and then and then speaking back and forth with Nigel about so what what's a wanker? <laughs> like, um, that's I the whole match. I was just laughing, and I actually really enjoyed it. They treated it. I think they treated it like it was like a live event. Do you know what I mean that match in particular? Yeah, yeah it um, kind of felt like a house show kind yeah. of because there was a lot of like playing to the crowd and things like that, wasn't there? Yeah, like TJ had his ears covered when it was happening, and yeah, uh, I thought it was actually a pretty good match. It was kind of pantomime, but that's kind of British wrestling style in some sense, isn't it? Like that's what you know Regal was doing coming up. Like, but um, I thought they played quite well to the UK crowd. That match for me was good. I really, really enjoyed the main event, though. I mean, yeah. Mark Andrews with with, with Tyler Bate. Um, I'm I'm intrigued to see where Mark Andrews kind of t- fits in with this. Um, with this UK division, I don't think he's. I'd like to see him in that top spot because I think he's. I think he's one of the better wrestlers. But I think what they're kind of going for is like this. Um, you know, kind of, kind of. I wouldn't say. I guess like more technical British style. Yeah. Mm. And uh, Mark Andrews is typically just a big high flyer. And he's great. But um, I yeah, I don't know where he, they can go with him from here. But he, I think he can prove himself that he, he can have one of the you know a great pay-per-view match if you wanted to um be interesting considering pete dunn and mark andrew's history because they've been wrestling for about 10 years together they came yeah, up at the same yeah. time so um as a whole though that uk show i think the production's a bit funny like um yeah i thought that um it looked a bit low budge and i think so what they did was uh obviously it was it was in the uh, the what was it like tv studios up in norwich isn't yeah it? Um, yeah but i could tell like they were struggling with the lighting it did actually on tv it actually looked dark yeah so, i thought that as well um, like the the ring wasn't that well lit, so I think you know, I don't know. What, I think the, what, I what was it, it like? Sorry, uh, what no, was it like there, Tim? Like with the lighting and stuff. Well, because that's the thing. Like it wasn't within the ring; it wasn't too bad. But basically, where because I where I was, I was on the side of the hard cam. So looking into the ring, it was fine. All you could see was was perfect. But obviously, the crowd further back, it was just like looking into blackness. You could see about like the first sort of seven rows and then it was just dark but where the rampway was whenever if someone ever did like a dive or someone fell out to that kind of area all of a sudden another spotlight would would appear it was it was quite bizarre and it was quite off-putting because all of a sudden there'd just be this massive light sort of thing um but like what i wanted to because obviously you touched upon but well obviously with dan maloney and the whole dan chance obviously the the show that was on the Friday was night two of the Norwich tapings, and on the first night, obviously Dan Maloney came out as a heel, but everyone started the Dan chant. So then the second night they put him as a face. It was which I thought was quite <laughs> which was quite oh, ironic. Oh right, okay. Um, quite interesting. But another thing, obviously, it wasn't shown on the special, but it might be shown later on. It kind of goes off what you were saying, Callum, with Mark Andrews that. They obviously have an agenda of like kind of having the British guys being these kind of hard hitting guys because one of the guys they seem to be putting a lot of effort and time into uh, is Tyson T Bone, which I thought was quite interesting. 
Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see where they kind of go going forward. Um, and I guess like obviously it's still trial and error in in a way. So we'll have to wait and see what they do if they do another another show, which obviously they'll probably have to after after this match to not uh, on takeover. Um, so if we get into if we get into the match itself, I think we can all agree it was match of the night, can't we? Uh, I mean, yeah, I, I, it was funny because I rewatched this whole show this morning, mm. and the that match is obviously amazing, and I think it is definitely my favourite of the night. But uh, I think there were other matches during this show that were my favourite for other reasons, but this was definitely like the the one that like this like blew the the roof off like the show like yeah. the crowd was insane for it Callum what do you think I I, I think easily it was the best match tonight. Yeah. Um, uh, um I'm so surprised as well to see how behind the, um, the US audience are behind the UK to, like guys yeah like, yeah they was they were so over with that crowd I was really surprised um but I um it just goes to show like when when the in-ring work is just so good like it, it, anyone can get over really but like it was yeah like from a technical standpoint and like from just like the storytelling throughout the whole match it was just bang on like so many great spots like um i yeah easily easily like the best match of the night so so good well because some people obviously afterwards like on twitter i think even like some of like the people who were in WWE, well, one that I saw was Cedric Alexander were calling it sort of match of the year potential sort of thing. So do you, do you think yeah. it's of that calibre? I think, you know, when you see uh, WWE.com do their end of year lists of like best match, mm. I reckon we will see this quite high, I reckon. Yeah. It was quite a defining match as well in terms of the mm-hmm. what the UK division's doing. Um, and this will be definitely a big land, landmark point in that in what they're doing with the UK division yeah um i i i wouldn't be surprised i mean i i wouldn't be surprised if it wasn't in um the list like i think you know i think this was for me it was one of the best i've seen anyway in a long long time yeah and as you kind of mentioned kind of one thing that i was a bit sort of worried about kind of going into it was what the the u.s crowd reaction to the guys was going to be obviously i know that the wwe have kind of pushed the the promos and stuff and all the vignettes but Obviously, in front of a live audience, you're still never going to know. But I think as soon as you you heard those kind of breeze away chants straight from from the off, it kind of settled the dust. And I think you could even tell from that from the guys' perspective, like it kind of settled them into a rhythm, and like they could just kind of let their wrestling do the do the talking kind of thing. Um, one thing I I had so many notes on this match, I didn't want to kind of go spot for spot, but. Um, what if if we go from from your guys? So, what were your particular highlights? So, if Maz, if we start with you. Uh, well, when um, when I saw that this was the second match, uh, I thought it, that was really good because I think it was uh, a great way to. I, I was I was the same as you guys. I was very curious to see what the reaction to the uh, the guys were, and it was outstanding. Like um, just seeing Pete Dunne come out to a wwe audience is still kind of a bit of a head fuck in my head but <laughs> yeah. like um 
yeah i think what happened was is they basically said to the guys like listen we need we need to push this uk show super hard so you need to go out there and basically do like do as much as you can and you know really steal the show and i think it was intentional for them to really get the u.s audience behind the uk show Mm. um as far as my favorite spots i mean there's just uh so much what kind of what made me really enjoy this match was i think everyone going into this thought that dom was going to win it and you know it, it it made sense but still though my suspension of disbelief was still there like yeah. it looked like these two were just like absolutely destroying each other i think my favorite spot um of the whole match was well there were so many but uh i think my favorite was the airplane spin for sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i was literally about to say the same thing um the crowd just like blew up as soon as yeah. he went faster. It was crazy. Probably the fastest one Tyler Bate has done as well. I think. Yeah. No, that that was a big spot. And can I just say as well, Jr. Um, as soon as and anything he touches just makes makes it feel so much more prestigious. Um, yeah. I think his back and forth with Nigel McGuinness in this match in particular was so so good. Um, that was I think one of the better matches I've heard Nigel call since coming up. Um, yeah. I think he's been a bit shaky here and there. And his chemistry with Percy and Tom is a bit funky, but I think Jr. and him together they did a, such a good job in this match in particular. Um, it, people have said like over the you know past year or so, like Jim Ross hasn't had that much life in his commentary, but I feel like um, there was definitely moments in this where it just sounded like old Jr. just like belting it at the top of his voice. And yeah. It's so good. I think that really invested me more so in the match, and I think just overall. This was great. I really, really like this match. It was so good. Yeah, well, one of the things that I've noted was obviously JR and, and Nigel McGuinness's commentary. And like, and like you, Callan, like, as much as I like Nigel McGuinness, I, I agree. He's, he's On NXT, he's been a little bit ropey. Like, even obviously back at the, the UK tournament, that was kind of his first gig in WWE. And he was still obviously learning the style and things like that. But I think just the, them two getting so invested into it and all, like especially with the false finishes towards the end, just made the whole thing just feel like this is... I mean, like, as you said, it kind of legitimised the whole thing so much more. Um, One of the spots I really liked, obviously, apart from the aeroplane spin, which was just ridiculous, um, was the kind of counters of the finishes. So, obviously, when uh, Tyler went for the Tyler driver, Pete reversed it, then uh, Pete went for the bitter end, and Tyler reversed it into a ridiculous spiking DDT. Um, oh, yeah. Where Pete literally just did a handstand on his head, which was just ridiculous. Um, but, uh, as I say, I think most people kind of expected Pete to kind of come out on top. But I, there's still a little bit of me thought that, that Tyler was going to win. Um, do, uh, I know it's quite a, a wide-scope question because, obviously, we, we don't know where the product is going to go next. But do we do we want to see this match a rematch or do we just kind of want the product to evolve naturally and just see where the course course runs uh, Callum we go with you I, I actually would love to see a rematch um, for this um, I think there's a deeper story to be told with um, Tyler Bate and Pete Dunne 
And it's, I know it's tricky because of the lack of airtime these guys get, and you, you see them pop up in NXT here and there, but that's kind of it. Um, yeah, part of me thought Tyler would retain in this match because yeah. of that. Because um, I feel like, you know, this is, I guess, essentially the first big pay-per-view where, they're the, you know, the title was being defended, so I thought they might run with um, Tyler Bate a little yeah, more. Yeah, that was but, my um, thought as well. Yes, I mean, so I, I actually, yeah, I think there's still a big story to be told here. I reckon, you know, I don't know when they'll next defend it. I assume the next takeover, or maybe there's another special before, and then I don't think so though. But um, yeah, um, yeah, honestly, like I, f- I feel like they could keep keep this going. You know, I'm really interested to see where this goes. Maz, what about you? Uh, yeah, I agree. I think uh, there's def. Well, this would be their third match so i mean technically it should end with a final match and i guess uh bait is due for a rematch anyway so yeah. yeah it makes sense and i think it would be perfect for uh them to kind of build the story up a little bit more because from what we've seen there hasn't been a real back and forth between them it's just been like a kind of standard rivalry and uh, I think it's a bit confusing for maybe progress fans or like more indie fans who know both of them as British strong style. So yeah. I think if they have another opportunity to have one last match, I think if they get an opportunity, like let's say if these UK specials carry on, then that's where we should see it. And then this should be like the blow off for this feud. Mm. Oh, that's cool. One thing that I did want to kind of mention about the match as well is obviously the kind of in-ring psychology of it. Because I think there's something that obviously all wrestlers do it, but I think the British guys in particular do it really well. Um, and there's one there's one moment where I can't remember what led up to it, but Pete was doing his kind of joint manipulation sort of part of it, but then he had his foot on Tyler's ankle and was just stumping on his head, and then he's kind of switched it and grabbed his arm and then was just punching him in the head sort of thing. And I think, I th- I know obviously we've had kind of Jack Gallagher in since the beginning of the year and since 205 sort of thing. But do you think that this was kind of a, an introduction to the quote-unquote UK style as such as well? Um, yeah, I think, you know, with the platform this match is on, it is almost a showcase Um especially to the US audience who wouldn't necessarily watch the UK tournament. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I guess in that respect, yeah, this is this is kind of a showcase um, for that. And I don't necessarily think... I don't know if they planned the, the match that much in depth, I think. But um, I feel like, e- even if it wasn't, wasn't intentional, they've definitely kind of shown off that kind of, you know, very traditional, technical British style, as well as it being strong and... You know, um, I think, yeah, they did a cracking job kind of telling the story about the, the British style that is currently going on. I think yeah. they did kind of get that across. Maz, anything to add? Um, I'm just I'm just kind of excited to see where Dunn goes from here because I think everyone sees... Obviously, Bait is amazing and I, I expect him to do really well, but I'm a little bit worried that he's going to get the TJP kind of... Uh, situation going on where he was like crowned the champion and as soon as he lost it to a heel he was kind of left in the shadows yeah. and then kind of doesn't have anything to do but as far as Dunn his 
his potential is is just absolutely. I, I mean, yeah, I'm. He could literally do anything in WWE. I think when I first saw him, I didn't really get it. Like when I saw him in Progress, I didn't understand. Like I thought he just looked like a weird version of Jack Swagger. But, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but after watching oh. him, uh, I saw him. Uh, I saw him in a match with Mark Andrews at PWG show and I I just instantly got it his facials the way he's like just so arrogant and he comes across as you know an absolute twat I love it I think he's I'm not sure where he's going to go, but I'm really excited to see what happens with him. Mm. And kind of just a thought that's popped into my head, kind of long-term planning, like obviously, every, well, most sort of indie fans in the UK that know that obviously Pete and Tyler, along with Trent Seven, are British strong style. I know obviously WWE are kind of trying to develop their own characters of the UK guys, but obviously we've seen like, in the last year alone, like the indie kind of crossover. So would, would, would you like to see a WWE version of British strong style? Maz, if we go with you. Uh, if it's, if it's based on the way that they've booked previous indie factions, then no, because, uh, you know, seeing what they did with quote unquote, the club. Yeah. It didn't work. You know, they've, they've done this before where loads of people, on the internet would want to see WWE put their spin on something like, for instance, Broken Matt. You know, I'm terrified of when they get the, the rights to that because who knows what you're going to get. Yeah. You know, if, if there's any... <laughs> if you can compare it to anything, what see the Treehouse of... Uh, Treehouse. The House <laughs> of Horrors match. Treehouse of Horrors <laughs> <laughs> I was getting my Simpsons references mixed up there, um, uh, but yeah, the the House of Horrors match—that's what WWE see broken, the broken Matt Hardy thing. Yeah, and yeah. I'm just worried that their spin is not going to be what the fans ex- expect it to be. Yeah. Um, and to be honest, if I'm seeing them based on just them alone in WWE, I think they're fine like separated to be honest you know i think there's they don't have enough people there yet for them to be considered a faction so for them to be separate i'm all all good with yeah callum what about you yeah i i personally i don't think that's gonna translate well as a faction on wwe tv i think i think it remind me a bit more bit of like you know nxt season one nexus and um, like as soon as they lump a division as a faction, it, it uh, it's, it's hard to get the individuals over, and storytelling's yeah. just a bit boring usually. Um, I yeah, honestly, just keep them everyone single at the moment. I think this is just you know great way to kind of get everyone over. I think I think that British strong style thing is perfect for like live shows and just you know um, you know just just for the smarks. I think, but like yeah. this is I don't think it would translate that well, especially to American audience. I think it's going to be a bit. These guys are the British guys, and you know that's we, that's what happened to the cruiserweights when they started. Do you know what I mean? It's, yeah. You don't want them to kind of feel like that. I feel like they should. Everyone should feel like their own entity. You know. Yeah. <laughs>
and then obviously a lot of people were kind of saying, "How the hell do you do you follow that match?" But it was the the task of the the women's triple threat. Um, obviously, undefeated Asuka against Nikki Cross and Ruby Riot. Um, considering like obviously how hot the UK match was, I really enjoyed this match afterwards. I think it was a good. It kind of carried on the wave of momentum of the crowd's reaction. I think. Straight from the off, like Ruby Riot got a really good reaction, which I was quite surprised with, to be honest. But I think it's because I don't know enough about her yet. So for her to get that reaction, I think kind of tells how well she's known in America. Um, but yeah, the the match just kind of got off to a really like fast pace, and I think the the chemistry between Nikki Cross and Ruby Riot is something that can just keep giving, giving, and giving, and obviously. Asuka's just incredible. So, um, what did you did you guys think that this kind of was a lull after the UK, or did do you think that it was was a good kind of momentum builder afterwards? Uh, if we go, um, go, go whoever whoever's willing to go first. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was going to say um, th- this for me. I, yeah, I thought it was a good match. Like, um, I don't think it was a poor match. I know it's a big task for them to follow such a great match like the UK match that was there. Um, but with you know, it's a bit, it's a bit hard. I know, like the women's division is kind of somewhat suffering in NXT, but I feel like they're kind of trying to find their feet again. Um, Ruby Riot, I like know nothing of, and I feel like she, I, I don't know if she's like a vet, if she's like been doing it for years, or she's a performance center wrestler. I don't know. The only thing um, I know is that she did stuff with Chikara. That is literally all I know. Okay. But she was mega over, and it really surprised me. I was like, the, the crowd were like fully behind her. Yeah. She even got a massive pop when on her entrance, and I was just like, I, I, how, how do people know like who she <laughs> yeah. is? Like, because she's been thrown in at the deep end completely with the women's division. Like, she's now this is her second takeover already, and she's only been on the product for like two months or yeah. three months, or whatever. Um, so it's all it's all so and so new. But um, uh, I thought she did well, though. I thought this was the, the best I've seen her anyway so far. Yeah. Um, uh, it's, it's kind of like you know there's a lot of question marks what could have happened with Ember Moon and stuff and I think that is probably their long term plan here mm. um, but right now I think this match kind of did did its justice my only kind of question mark was the finish um, see I like uh, the I thought, finish I don't think sorry I like the finish well this is it I think maybe it's because I might have been you know looking down at my phone or just what you know twiddling my thumbs whatever and then i just look i look up and there's a double pin and that was it um but i think maybe it was a bit short that's kind of my only kind of big okay. complaint but i thought this was a good match i mean i nikki cross i'm a, I'm a big fan of her and yeah. I, I feel like they haven't done done her justice um i think that's my only criticism like criticism of sanity is um they i think they need to dial back the crazy a bit and especially with nikki as well but um uh, I thought all three women just looked really good here. Yeah, Maz, what about you? Um, yeah, I I, I I feel the same way. I think uh, a lot of people after watching that um, match between Dunn Bate were like, "Oh, how are you going to top that?" But <clears throat> I mean, that's the thing about these shows is it's not it's not really about oh you got to do as many spots as possible for you to get the crowd over. It's like a variety show. Yeah. And, uh, I, I'll be completely honest. I thought the build for this match, uh, that whole rumble on NXT, I thought was did 
uh, was a bad thing. Uh, you know, just the way how Ember got hurt and no one seemed to be that over going into this. Uh, I didn't feel particularly uh, invested in the match, but uh, watching it, um, I I did get invested. Um, and I thought Ruby Bright really good. She was super over. Uh, maybe because she was the closest resemblance to CM Punk on this <laughs> whole show. I don't know, but uh, yeah, um, I thought you might hate me, but I really don't get Nikki Cross. I don't like her. Um, I could have just seen uh, if this wasn't a triple threat. I could have just seen Ruby Riot and Asuka. To be honest, um, you know, I think the whole I'm crazy wacky kind of character doesn't really it doesn't i don't buy it at all uh personally uh however though there was a couple of spots i liked from nikki i did like when she caught asuka in the uh the apron i thought that was really ingenious yeah Um, yeah. i thought that was really good uh she's not very she's not a spot heavy not spot heavy that's not the right word she's not a very move heavy character nikki cross yeah she does a couple things. She does the shove into the torso, a neck breaker, uh, and then like a crossbody. I think that's it. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah, I I like I, to be honest. Like I said, I could have seen Riot and Asuka um, as just a single match, like because I thought they did really well in this. The finish made me laugh a lot. Um, the finish was just. Um, uh, just, I, I don't know. I I liked that it kind of made people g- like kind of stand up, going, "Oh wow, that was pretty crazy!" Like pinning two people at the same time. I'm just worried if uh, maybe you guys maybe can tell me what you thought because, in my opinion, this kind of maybe feel like it 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 took away a bit of luster from Cross and, and Riot for being pinned together like that rather than making them both look strong. I, I can kind of understand that, but I don't I don't know. As I said, just when Callum was saying it, I, I didn't really think that much into it when I, I just kind of took it as, obviously, Cross was already down from, from whatever the move was that Ruby did. I can't remember off the top of my head now. Um, and it was just kind of more like a pure kind of exhaustion sort of thing from Asuka that... She hit the knee and then just kind of collapsed onto them. That so, it was almost like a fortuitous kind of three count. It wasn't in my head. It wasn't like oh, she's pinned both of them. It was just the fact that these three women have given their all, and that they happen to be in the same place at the same time when the pinfall happens, kind of thing. Um, but I, I kind of get what you mean though. Like it doesn't necessarily make them look the strongest if Asuka's pinned both of them. But I guess they're still carrying on with Asuka as the the strongest woman in in the whole of NXT. Um, and as Callum mentioned, obviously it'd be interesting to see what the element of uh, Ember Moon would have been if she was involved. And there's obviously kind of going to be built to a, another Asuka Ember Moon match. Um, yeah, I th- I think it's good though. I, I mean, obviously it's terrible that she got injured. Yeah. Um, but I think. For it, going into the next takeover, if we assume it's Ember and Asuka, like there's so much more 
going into it now mm. uh, because obviously she was shown like whilst the match was going on and how she got injured by Asuka you know when she does finally win that title it's going to mean so much more now I just feel bad for Cross and Riot being like kind of a placeholder yeah. between that yeah no I get that but I think I think as well the thing that kind of it didn't annoy me but it's just like from the uh, TakeOver Orlando, obviously that was kind of, in a way, Asuka's kind of heel turn. But obviously this match, she was still getting cheered and everything because, as you mentioned, Maz, none of them were particularly massively over and none of them were really portrayed as the heel. So I think now that the whole thing with, with Asuka and Ember Moon has happened and Asuka has retained the belt, I think it kind of gives that opportunity to build Asuka as a heel, which is needed because we've we've seen little glimpses of it, but she's still kind of come across as the, I'm the champ, I'm better than anyone, but I'm still a face because I'm still smiling and waving to everyone kind of thing. So hopefully we'll kind of see that element of things going forward. Um, I don't know, Callan, have you got anything to add? Yeah, I'm... I think just like, you know, my prediction going into this was because it was a multi-woman match that we might see <laughs> Oscar lose a title but stay undefeated. Yeah. Um, and I think I said this, this is the exact same thing like back in January for the Rumble takeover, whatever that was, um, San Antonio. And um, yeah, like, so I thought this again would be another, I was like, oh, they're doing another multi-woman match. This is going to be the opportunity where they can keep Oscar's streak intact and have her drop the title and move up because she's been there a long time now. Yeah. Um, but arguably, there's still no women woman on her level um, to kind of drop the title to. So they're still trying to elevate that division. I think maybe if Ember was here, we might see might have seen that. Um, I don't know, you know, the long term plans, but I think maybe they could keep her as champion for, I don't know, maybe they're planning it for another six months or so, who knows, but, um, uh, you know, I think that that's what, what they're pushing is really Ember Moon now, I think. Yeah. Um, and, I've, you know, they tease that shot of her up in the, you know, the, the seats just watching the match and that's that's definitely going to be a thing, I think. Yeah. Um, I think Ember Moon will be the next women's champion. I just don't know when. I know she's out injured for a while. Um, but, yeah, I mean... This this kind of felt like more of a transitional match, but I wouldn't say it's a bad match. It was still really strong. Yeah, I think. Can be... I uh, oh, just oh, say, oh, like, sorry to interrupt, but I'm so glad that Emberman was not watching it on a TV. Yeah. <laughs> a weird angle. I'm so glad she was watching it live rather than watching the TV in a weird way. Yeah, no, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> the, the thing that I was just going to say is just that because obviously we've got we know that that we've got this women's tournament coming up in the summer, so I think. It'd be interesting to see where Asuka's placing is around that as well, because obviously you're going to assume the the main women who are kind of in that tournament are going to go into NXT. So it'd be interesting to see if Asuka's still even around NXT in that kind of time period as well. But at the mo- at the moment, I I don't I know everyone says, "Oh, get her up to the main roster, get her up to the main roster," but I think just keep her where she is at the moment. Like, obviously, we'll, we'll touch upon the men's title in a minute, but the men's title for me has always been quite a sort of right. You've got the title. 
it's kind of like a stepping stone into the main roster. Whereas with Asuka holding the women's title for so long, it's kind of given it a bit of prestige. And that's what I like because I think they should treat NXT as a brand rather than a stepping stone. And I think that's kind of what Asuka's done with the women's division. I know, obviously, we've seen certain talent go. And as, as we say, at the moment, they're kind of shuffling for position with certain women. But yeah, I don't know. I just think I, I like her in the position she's in at the moment. I think you're right. I think um, it's with Asuka, it's very interesting because uh, I don't see anyone really saying, oh, I'm so sick of Asuka, move her up. You know, no one seems to be like tired of her, even yeah. though she's been the champion for so long now. And it was so different with like, say, Nakamura, where everyone was kind of like, all right, he needs to move up now. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's, it's interesting with the women. Maybe it's because they aren't, uh, focus as much as the title maybe that's why because they're not so overexposed but uh, yeah I, I feel the same way I you could keep Asuka there for a, for another you know however long you want really because yeah. she has added a lot of prestige to that title Callan anything to add? yeah I mean I think I agree there is no rush to bring her up I just feel like um that they they might have done that by now. That's all. That's my my inkling. But I feel like if if she held the title for another year, that was not that's not necessarily bad for business. I think she should keep being this heel asker and just like absolutely dominating everyone. Um, and then once obviously once the streak ends, then it will feel really special. Um, but I, I would also like to see that kind of carry up to the main roster. But um, who knows how long that's gonna you know they'll keep her this way you know yeah. it'd be really interesting cool um, and I think like many people we kind of expected the the tag match to be next but obviously we'll discuss why it wasn't in a minute but next we had obviously uh, Bobby Roode against Hideo Itami um, Matt obviously mentioned this to you over Twitter but I just Roode's entrance just reminded me of Tom Hanks in Big uh, but yeah I just yeah uh, like, don't get me... not, not the best entrance, I'll yeah. be honest. Don't get me uh, wrong, I love Bobby Roode's song, but it, that just, it was just a bit weird. Yeah, I mean, we might as well talk about this now. Like, Obviously, going into this coming up next, I, a lot of alarm bells started ringing in my head, thinking, okay, so why is this before? And if you think about it, I wasn't quite angry at first, but if we watched... If we see the show as a whole, it makes a lot more sense. But yeah. this was the problem with this match is there wasn't enough momentum going into it. I mean, uh, Rude and Itami had maybe two segments or three or whatever it may be as Tim being the next challenger. And, you know, as well as that, Itami, you know, it's, I feel so bad for him because, you know, he's been you know, injured, then comes back and then gets injured again. So there's literally no momentum behind him whatsoever. Yeah. So, you know, going into this match, yeah, I was getting worried that we'd have what we had in the last uh, takeover where the main event didn't uh, fulfill what it needed to do, you know. Mm. Um, but, yeah, so I was really angry, like, on the internet, I saw a lot of people going, well, they're clearly not invested in Rude or Atami, you know, how are they going to do on the main roster if they can't even invest in them now? And 
I kind of I kind of agree to an extent, but I think I, I can't remember if it was to you or Callum said this. It's more about the brands rather than the you know the the actual individuals nowadays. Yeah, you know, so for it to make for the show to make more sense, you know, this this match had to be before the ladder match. So that's how I felt about it anyway. Yeah, Callum, what what did you think? Um. Yeah, going into this match, um, you know, like Maz just mentioned, there wasn't too much build, I guess. Um, uh, like, you know, I think there was just that cu- the couple of spots where, you know, Hideo originally turned up uh, when Bobby Roode's cut a promo, did that GTS, and then the same thing happened on the go-home. Yeah. Um, and that was pretty much it. Um, I, I I was so happy to see Hideo being put straight into the, you know, the title picture when... Yeah when he came back again from this second injury. And so I was really glad they weren't going to drop the ball with him and still see, seen him as like a valuable guy. Um, it's, it's hard to say that, you know, that there was, you know, that, that Bobby Roode was the wrong guy to win. Cause I think long-term it, this is, you know, makes sense. Um, and he, he, you know, just keep him where he is, you know, as the champion, mm. but at the same time, it's hard to, do this kind of thing, and where does Hideo go from here? Really, maybe they'll continue this. I'm not sure, but um, uh, it's it's a bit of a tough one, really. Like, but like you know, if we if we break down the match, I really I thought it was great. Yeah, it was really solid, really really solid match. Um, I think Hideo didn't necessarily come off like a weak opponent in any way here. Like, and it's really you know his style of wrestling, just the that strong style, is just so good. Um, and I think. Bobby Roode's plays off plays off it so so well. Um, um, yeah, like I think we talked about this in the group, but considering um, uh, how this was in Chicago, we didn't really hear any CM Punk chants. Obviously, yeah. when today hit that GCS, finally, that's when you kind of heard that. But um, uh, this this whole match was was great. It was stiff. It was um, it was you know I think the finish was you know really fucking good. Yeah. Um, you know, with, with Bobby Roode having to hit two DDTs to kind of get Hideo down. I thought that was, you know, if you're going to make someone go out strong, um, that was a smarter way to do that. And um, it's just it's just kind of there's a big question mark on Hideo for me. So I, lo- I did love this match, but it was just like, I don't know what's next for Hideo. And I'm hoping, you know, it's hard to go above the you know the main, main title on the show. So it's just, you know, I don't know what they're going to do with him next. Yeah. I totally agree with you, Cannon. I, I really enjoyed the match. I think, like, going into it, I wasn't overly invested. And I think, like, it's weird because I've I've always been a Bobby Roode fan. Like, even when he was in TNA, um, part, part of Beer Money, and when he kind of did his singles run, I always thought he was one of the guys that deserved to be at WWE. Um, but with this match, like, out of all of his kind of feuds thus far... This has kind of been the one that I've been least invested in, just because I think there wasn't that build. But going into like the actual match itself, as you say, I think works really well. Like obviously, uh, Itami went for GTS really early. Uh, Rude just being like a snidey heel, like rolling out of the ring. I know it's not like that's just part of his character, which I think he does really well. Um, one thing that I did find really interesting though was almost kind of a callback to. The Nakamura match was that Rude's matches always kind of seem to have an injury angle to them, and obviously we saw the 
Atami attacking uh, Rude's shoulder, and then later on, obviously, Atami had injured his his knee or ankle, so neither could kind of hit their finishers at specific moments, which I thought was quite interesting. But um, with kind of Rude as champ, I, I think you, it might have even been you, Callan, that said it in our little Facebook group that there's kind of a lot of people that he can go off, whereas previous champions kind of only had a surrounding few. So, for instance, like Finn Balor, it was kind of him and Kevin Owens and then Finn and Joe, and that was kind of it. And then it was Joe and Nakamura and Joe and Finn, and that was it. And then with Nakamura, it was Nakamura and Joe and Nakamura and Rude, and that was it. Whereas Rude's, obviously, he's had the matches against Nakamura. He had one against Cassius Ono. Obviously, he's had this one now against Itame. But you've got people like Alistair Black. You've got people like Roderick Strong. Potentially Adam Cole when he comes up. Uh, Cassius Ono, who's probably going to be there again. And arguably, Andrade Almas as well is kind of in that picture. So I think they've they've got a lot of opportunity with Bobby Roode being the quote-unquote safe hand as champion, being that veteran and kind of weaning in the new guys. I don't know. Do, do you guys agree with that at all? Yeah, I mean, I would. Yeah, like it's this, this. You know, I feel like going forward, they may. You know, you know, like a couple of years ago, we had like the like fatal four way for like the number one contender spot, and um, that kind of helped determine who the top guys were as part of that product at the yeah. time. And I'd like to see something like that. I think going forward, I wouldn't necessarily like to see like a one on one. That might be the best way to go, especially with all this new talent currently. Especially, you know, big indie talent as well. Um, uh, yeah, like you know, I'd love to see something with Rude, um, as the Black, um, Roddy, and um, Cassius Ono, or something like you know, a big Fatal Four Way blow off like next or something. Yeah. Um, but I guess you could book Hideo into that as well somehow. But um, I think that's probably the way they're going to go. Um, hopefully, fingers crossed. I think obviously. Um, Oh yeah, Drew McIntyre's there as well. Oh so, yeah, like, God, you know, about Drew. Yeah, exactly. So like, there's loads, loads, and loads of guys in NXT now, um, and there's a really strong undercard, which is kind of what we've missed a bit from, you know, NXT. Sadly, like on the takeovers, um, we don't see really any like B matches minus one. So like, you know what I mean? Like, so yeah. you'll see like one undercard match and the rest of the championship matches. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, no, I get it. Um, so, I mean, yeah, it'd be interesting to see where they go from here. Um, Rude, I think, I don't, I feel like I would like to see more from Rude and Hideo, but I, I think there's no room for storytelling beyond what they've just done. So, yeah. I don't know really. Maz, what about you? Um, yeah, I thought this match was the best uh, Hideo Tommy match I've seen, for yeah. sure. I'm so glad he's in the main event picture now. Um, <clears throat> you know, Again, going into it didn't have much momentum, but I, I just I gained a lot of respect for Rude because I realised how he can work with so many different styles. This was uh, far better, I thought, than the Nakamura match because uh, that felt like it was it was kind of slow, it was plodding in in parts. But Hideo did really great in like stepping it up every level. Um, and yeah, I'd I'd love to see another match between these two. It's just um, 
I don't know. It's uh, they they kind of like Callum was saying. They can kind of go in a lot of different avenues now. We've seen with the injury angle, they built Rude up as someone who can de- uh, defy sort of injuries. He's a very strong champion now. Yeah, he doesn't need anyone. He's he's not the kind of heel that kind of uses tactics or you know he's he's kind of a bit of an arsehole. He kind of he he is quite dominant. And, you know, if I was just, whilst you were talking, I think as far as them all going forward, I think, to be honest, I think Itami just needs to be moved up to the main roster because I don't know, after this, I don't know what you do with him, to be honest. Um, so I could see that. And then as far as his next opponent, I think if if you look at it logically, it's either going to be um, strong or... McIntyre. I mean, McIntyre's massive. You know, he is the kind of atypical kind of person that could, you know, beat Rude. Uh, so I think that's what they'll do going forward. It's 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 great because they've got so many potential opportunities with all these this new crop of talent coming in. Mm. Uh, one thing that I wanted to pick up on what you said, Matt, is obviously with Rude. Like his, he, I think he has won clean every single match which that he's been in, which kind of goes to show how they're booking him as well. Because as you say, like you can't the stereotypical hill, you expect them to not all the time, but once every so often use underhanded tactics. But it's something that he hasn't used at all. Um, so I think that's quite interesting to to show his character where they're kind of going with him being. Being it being Bobby Roode's NXT kind of thing, um, but I guess we've we've kind of mentioned like who we'd like to see as there as as the next challenger. But do we think, as Callan said, do we reckon maybe like a multi man blow off will be when Roode drops the title, or do we see Roode holding it for for quite some time yet? Uh, Mads, we go with you. Um, I I can see him holding it for a bit longer. I. T- I'm not sure because with his feud, it doesn't feel like I'm that invested in them because yeah, yeah. it kind of feels like there's a pattern going on where it's basically saying, oh, I'm the champ, I'm the best, you know, I'm above everyone here. I think there needs to be, a f- the way that I'd get really invested, I think, in Rude is if there was a feud going into it where it gets really personal, where, you know, let's say McIntyre, for example, you know, if you know, Rude's interfering or, you know, he he starts mentioning, like, how he couldn't cut it in WWE before or something like that, you know, because, I mean, obviously it's great him having opponents, but unless there's something in going into it as just as well as the championship, then that's what I'd like to see going forward. Yeah. What, what about you, Callum? Um... Yeah, um, you know, I again, I'm not too sure where they go from here, but um, I'd like to, I'd like to personally see like a multi-man match. Um, um, yeah, I, yeah, it's tough. It's a toughie. I'm hoping they kind of pull it out of the bag. It's just not like another one-on-one yeah. kind of situation. Um, I, I'd like, I'd like to see um, Drew McIntyre kind of in the picture. I think for the championship. Um, 
but he's in the hottest feud of the year against Wesley Blake at the moment. So <laughs> I, don't, I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. So, you know, I think they're going to wean in a lot of the new talent just to, so, you know, new eyes know who who's who and who's doing what. And I don't think they'll bring, um, you know, those guys immediately to the title picture. So I think Roddy's probably likely to be the guy, I think, who's next against Rude because yeah. he's super babyface at the moment. And I think, that, you know, it makes sense, really. Yeah. Cool. Um, and then obviously closing out the night, we had the tag team title uh, ladder match. Um, I, I keep seeming to say this when we mention Authors of Pain, but this I think this match kind of emphasised their limitations. I don't know if that's a fair assessment, but I think everything in this match that was done correctly was because of DIY, if that makes sense. But it might just be because obviously... DIY's chemistry is just so good and obviously we'll get on to, to what's going to go on with them guys but uh, yeah I don't know maybe just because of, of the gimmick match because of their size uh, for me it kind of highlighted like okay they can only do sort of so much but I don't know is that just how I've seen it did you guys see it differently I uh, I thought looking watching this match I realised that both members of Authors of Pain do not know how to climb a ladder. Mm. They've never done it before in their lives. Yeah. Uh, I think you're right. I think you're right to admit it did show, rather than hiding their limitations, it actually accentuated them yeah. a lot. Uh, you could clearly tell a lot of this was, you know, DIY. Uh, they threw a lot of, you know, you know, uh, sort of gimmicks into this. Um, unfortunately, I didn't, I thought the Rude and Itami match was a lot better than uh, this match because for, I, I don't know if you two agree, but I think with ladder matches, you can't it, you can't really have that slow, methodical pace. It needs to be very sort of quick and fast, and you can't really get that with two guys who are that big who haven't been wrestling that long. Yeah. I, I don't know. Callum, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I... See, I, I am a big fan of um, Office of Pain, but I do feel that they're still a bit green, and I think their work's still a bit untidy. Um, there's, uh, you know, I, I feel like I don't. It's kind of hard to watch Office of Pain because they're so. They're, I know their gimmick is they're the, they're the big dudes who can just, you know, literally squash anyone. But um, every time I see them give a move, it just looks painful, like so painful. Yeah. Whoever's on the receiving end of it. And I'm not saying that's a necessarily a bad thing. It's just, um, it's just, uh, it's hard to kind of get a good flow out of watching an Office of Pain match. Really, um, I think they do work well with DIY, um, and you know, I, I do feel they're still a bit, still a bit too green. And I'm hoping, you know, it's just I, I don't know what they can do to kind of kick them up the arse a bit and just. I don't know. It, I, I'm invested and I like them, but I'm not like a massive over fan for Officer Pain at all. If yeah. That makes sense. Um, I feel like there's still a lot of worth, you know, sorry, a lot of um, to prove in the ring. Um, I'm hoping, I'm hoping we see more soon. Yeah. But as, as a match as a whole, um, obviously I think, that, I think this was good. This is more of a spot fest, this match. I think yeah. it was less, less about the in-ring psychology and all of that. It was just, it was just, you know, so many it was just a big blow off match essentially um i thought 
it, I mean, this is it. The, you know, with with the um, with it being a ladder match, it's hard sometimes to, to make things look good. So, like, <laughs> yeah. when when you see the officer Payne laying on the ladders at the ringside and just like rolling to and fro, going, "Oh, I can't get off this ladder for about uh, two minutes." Yeah, yeah. The I climb the giant ladder. Um, it's stuff like that that really kind of breaks the fourth wall for wrestling for me like you know w- the reason why we watch it is for, you know suspension of disbelief and but like seeing stuff like that always always brings me out the moment and like with um i think that there was quite a lot of that in this match sadly because because uh, of the stipulation sadly but um i thought the spots were great um there was a lot of scary looking spots as well um throughout like a lot of them like seeing you know uh, Gargano eat shit as he jumped oh, up the ladder, like, yeah. and um, and seeing like you know Champa, you know tearing down one of the guys from the ladder, you know from the ladder into another ladder perched in the corner. That looks that looks so painful, and um, there was a lot of those moments anyway. Um, I thought I thought the storytelling was good in this match, and um, you know. I think I was being worked the whole time. I actually wasn't, you know, I know the match was the main event, but I wasn't expecting much after the match. And I, was, I almost thought it was like a, um, them coming up kind of thing. Yeah. Well, that's what I thought last. as well. But, um, I mean, they worked everyone literally to the point where the title card was up at the end. And then, then, the, you know, what happened happened. So yeah. like, um, but yeah, I mean, I feel anyway, talking about authors of pain, I feel like they still got, I don't think they're quite there at the moment. No, but no, I do. I agree. If we go into the into the match itself a little bit more, obviously, Callan, you've kind of mentioned some of the the spots that, and, and it was, I think, all ladder matches have kind of got to be a bit spot heavy because I know it shouldn't be an expectation, but fans obviously expect at least one kind of big spot within a within a ladder match. But there was quite a few within this. Um, there was even one for uh, Dive Fan two thousand seventeen, Randy Orton when. Johnny Gargano went through the ropes and the ladder, which was pretty cool. Um, obviously, what happened later on made this even more prominent, but when Gargano pushed Champa out of the way and just had that ladder just square in the chin was just... That just oh. looked brutal. It looked yeah, so I horrible. I really forgot that. That was, that was scary. Yeah. That. And look, this just the sound of it was just... Like, literally just took his face off. Um, that's what I mean by the storytelling that I really liked in this match because obviously they played on the fact he was taking a bullet for his brother and yeah um, I've, I loved that element of this match and like there was one where I, I don't know which one it was but one of the authors of pain was holding a ladder and then Champa just ran up it and there was just so, I think there was a lot of for, for from as much as me bagging on AOP there was also some really good stuff in this match Kind of agreeing with Maz that maybe it wasn't maybe main event worthy within the match itself, but obviously what happened afterwards and everything kind of made sense. Um, Maz, what, what were your kind of particular highlights of the match? Um, I did like when uh, I did like when Paul Ellering came in and he, oh, yeah, he tried to push that. the ladder over. That was cool. Again, it was a lot of. Uh, so, sorry to interrupt, but at that moment, I literally went, oh, fuck you, Paul Ellering. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Paul Ellering. Um, yeah, so, like I said, yeah, there was a lot of bells and whistles with this. I agree with Callum. There was a lot of suspension of disbelief. You know, when they set up the ladders outside, 
you know it's you know you're a wrestling fan you can you see it like from a mile away yeah, like yeah. what's happening and that kind of I don't know it's weird because you know when I used to watch ladder matches when I was younger obviously I you know it, it felt like it was just out of the blue you know but with this it just felt a bit all right let's do this now okay this bit now okay um but this was for me it was all about the ending and i think uh, callum said it right i think a lot of people were kind of debating it online because i didn't to be honest i didn't even think about it at all until people start bringing it up online yeah uh, so i guess yeah like you know the the match i felt was quite quick maybe i don't know if you guys felt the same way it felt very quick yeah or rushed i guess I, th- I think so uh, one thing that i kind of I didn't think that, obviously, we'll, we'll talk about what happened at the end in a minute, but I didn't think that that was kind of going to happen. But one thing that I did note was the the ridiculous bumps that Gargano was taking and the, the emphasis they were kind of putting more on him than Champa was kind of, for me, that kind of signalled that, okay, WWE want to do a bit more with this guy than just have him as a tag team partner sort of thing. Um, but again, obviously, when when the ending kind of happened, for me that was a, a oh they're getting called up, but that kind of then left me was like well who left is who's left in the tag division in NXT, um, and kind of got me asking loads of questions. But then obviously, Blake and Mur- oh sorry, gone. <laughs> what was that? No, I was just saying Blake and Murphy. Oh Blake and Murphy. <laughs> <laughs> Bring them they, back. They're coming back, but. Um, <laughs> I think it, it was Ed Alexander kind of said in our little Facebook group thing that that the whole kind of towards that that whole kind of closing segment he was kind of edge of his seat waiting for Champa to turn and I, I was kind of like ah, it won't happen yet it won't happen and as you rightly said Callan obviously the the credit like the ending like closing card came up and then lo and behold Champa decided to slam Gargano into the into the entrance way um, so. Did you guys cut? Like, uh, I guess it what it was a shock. Did you go? Did you ever guys think that it would happen this early, so to say? Um, I, to be honest, a lot of people thought this was going to happen a lot earlier anyway. Yeah. Uh, from what I remember, because they were they were against each other in the cruiserweight classic. Yeah, and they had an incredible and match of- and that. Yeah, and a lot of people even thought it then, and I think everyone. I mean, you think that with all tag teams, don't you? You think, when are they going to split? One's going to, you know, the the sort of, uh, the whole sort of Shawn Michaels, Marty Jannetty thing, you know. uh, One's going to go and do one thing, one's going to do another. But, uh, yeah, I was shocked. I I actually said, oh, shit, when uh, it happened. Like, it (laughs) kind of came out of nowhere for me. Uh, They sold it so well. I... I was completely invested in this. It made absolute sense when you look at the match as a whole, because at the end, you see, I felt like, in my personal opinion, uh, you kind of feel like the gears are turning at the end of that match where Gargano and Champa are in the middle of the ring. And, you know, in my mind, you could see Champa's already thinking about, you know, this is the last draw, you know, it's happened too many times, this guy's holding me back. And when he did it, it felt so, I guess, real uh, yeah. in a lot. Of, well, one thing, 
one thing that I I'm not sure if they showed it on like the the uh, Facebook Live thing afterwards, but someone that I know in America who was actually at the show, similar to what they did with WrestleMania, but apparently when everyone was clearing out um, and they were still kind of attending to to Gargano and whatever, Champa just sat on the announce table until most of the crowd left apparently, which I thought was quite quite really? an interesting thing. Yeah. Um, but Callum, did did you kind of see this come in, or was it a shock to you? No, I didn't at all. Um, I was completely swerved; like I completely didn't see this coming at all. Um, uh, it's such a weird situation to be in because um, uh, the issue, I think, the biggest issue with this is um, the NXT tag division is there's not much going on there. Yeah. Um, outside of DIY at the moment, there I feel like they are essentially holding the vision um and uh, you know it's tough to say it's too soon but it makes sense at the same time because you you know with with these two guys like their chemistry is you know outstanding these guys are just so good together um and i feel like they might try and i thought you know i think there's more value in them as a tag team um, and especially like eventually going to the main roster and doing stuff there, I think they could have had some amazing moments as a tag team. But I guess it's the time and the place kind of thing because like, you know the, I guess the tag divisions are quite full on the main roster. I wouldn't yeah. argue, argue, you know, I wouldn't argue they're that great at the moment, but that's that's just you know the situation. So it, where do they go from here? And I think Triple H must see a lot more value in these guys as singles competitors, and I. You know, if you take a step back and think about it, yeah, I think they could be massive singles guys as well. Mm. Um, um, so yeah, and I guess they're gonna have this um, this feud for a while now. But uh, I don't, do you see either of them slipping into the title picture, or do they come up before then? And it's like, and then you got a question: Will they just slap them back together when they go to the main roster? And it's just it's hard to kind of vision where they're gonna put them going down the road. Um, yeah. But yeah, in I think the moment itself was executed perfectly. Yeah. I think we've had so many great breakups this year, especially with Owens, Jericho, and this I thought was executed, on, you know, on par with it. It's so so good. Um, just that moment you see them look at each other's eyes, and then he just swings them straight at <laughs> yeah. the, the screen, and I, I don't know what they're going to do. Um, it, I'm, I'm. I think they're going to put on some really, really strong matches together. But um, I don't know what the long-term game plan is going to be here. Yeah. Well, I think because similar to what you said, I thought obviously they still kind of had a bit of legs in them as a tag team. But my worry was that if if this was going to be their kind of curtain call in NXT and then go up to the main roster, that they'd kind of almost get lost in the shuffle within the a main roster kind of tag division. Um, so that was kind of my, my worry. But I think kind of alluding back to what Maz said earlier is that on sort of takeover shows, we don't get any kind of mid-card B matches, so to say. Um, and I think this could be potentially kind of like the the starting block for that because if you've got a feud as hot as sort of Gargano and Champa going on underneath the the main title picture... It get obviously the fans are going to, are already massively invested in these two characters, so I think it kind of adds an extra element to to the product in general. And we could see rather than just these people who are 
milling around in the mid card, all of a sudden, like every other month, oh, you're, it's now your turn to be in the total picture, or now it's your turn. We could see more development of feuds in that that mid card. That, that's what I'd like to see anyway. And I think obviously this could be kind of like a, a testing the waters to see how. Obviously, we know that Gargano and Champa are going to put on incredible matches, but just to see how well that separate feud sits alongside the title match. I don't know. You, how do you see it, Maz? Uh, yeah, I I agree. I think that is why they did it. Uh, it was a big, uh, it was a big risk to separate uh, the only, well, one of two babyface tag teams in NXT, but the investment long term is going to be incredible because you can see the next three maybe four uh takeover specials having that extra element of you know investment you know as far as the the fans um yeah i i'm really excited obviously uh with this because i know those two wrestle really well i've seen champer as a heel in previous uh uh, companies and yeah. it's really good um just that ending alone the fact that you know he was sat there like on the announce table just staring at gargano gargano is just an instant like underdog baby face that people can get invested in and you know what like if this didn't happen on this uh on this uh takeover then i would have i would have put this the same as probably the last takeover as far as mike's yeah and obviously if we kind of obviously get got overshadowed by everything else but the title obviously it was a title match so authors of pain have now got to have new opponents and as you say with this now split up there's kind of not really much for them kind of in the learn in the terms of opponents so i'm guessing the kind of well personally the only one that's kind of next in line is heavy machinery, but can you guys think of of anyone else? Um, I was gonna, I was gonna say yeah, heavy machinery. I think it's obvious that they're kind of gonna go run with those guys, um, only because they've been pushing that on NXT now, haven't they? Yeah. Um, with, with their promos, um, they are babyface, so I think it makes sense. But again, the issue is there's literally like two teams in the tag division at the moment. It feels like. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, maybe they'll put together a tag team or... Um, well, that. actually, think about it. You know, if, let's say, these ROH deals are over with, because obviously they, there was a lot of rumours going around that they'd signed a huge bunch of ROH guys and uh, they were, like, alleged tampering. So two of them were Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish. And oh, they yeah, were in forgot about that. In Ring of Honor. So if they bring them in, uh, you've got one more uh, face team. You've got T T K M one sixty nine, whatever they're called. The, oh, the yeah. team. They're due to come back as well. Uh, who else? And then the rest is well. You got. Uh, I don't think um, Callum. I'm afraid to say I don't think we're ever going to see Blake and Murphy ever again. <laughs> oh, are, you, are you kidding me? <sighs> The, D, the DUI boys, uh, I don't think you will see them back again. Yeah, Which is a shame because it's all about that Wesley Blake push. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, who else you got? You got Tito Sabatelli and that other guy. Oh, I mean, they've literally had one match. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, 
They've got a lot of work to do because obviously they've they've taken a huge risk by splitting up a massive team on their division. So they've got a lot of work to build up some new teams now. Yeah, I think I think they might push up a lot of maybe. Um, performance centre guys considering the situation they're in um, yeah. maybe we will see a couple of those Ring of Honor guys in the tag division but um, this is you know I, I think we're starting to see it more of the women's division as well they're starting to bring up some more of the performance centre people and um, I think you know considering how many people are down there you, you'd think you've seen more by now anyway but, yeah um, uh, yeah maybe they'll I don't know maybe they'll just slap some teams together and we'll see some new guys I don't know we'll see Cause... I'm a big fan of uh, what's his face from Heavy Machinery. He's so funny. Oh, Otis. Otis, he's great. Oh, he's so good. I could watch him do promos forever. <laughs> he's so he's got such an '80s feel to him when he's doing his promos. It's like yeah. it's like Jane Oakland's there with the mic, and he's yeah. just he's great. He's hilarious. Um, are we are we scheduled a Dusty Classic soon? Because that could be one way to sort of resolve this, I guess. I think I guess, we just I, had one, haven't we? I mean, I don't know how long ago that was. No, I can't. I think they, they happen around August, September time, don't they? Um, yeah. I, yeah, I guess in a few months we'll see something. So I guess they've got a lot of work to do. Yeah. Um, I, I guess TM61 will come back soon. I, I don't know how long the guy was on the shelf for. I can't remember which one was injured now. No. Um, uh, apart from that, there's no one there, really, is there? Yeah. But... We'll get. I guess we'll we'll see in the in the upcoming weeks what they kind of because even in, if you think about it, even going into this match the the build of it wasn't really that much. It was just kind of DIY saying we want our one on one match and that was kind of it. Authors of Pain didn't really have that too much involvement in the build up to it. So I guess it's kind of back to the drawing board and just go again. I, I guess, but we'll wait and see. But um. As always, closing out the the pay per view. As like to ask you guys what your your one highlight of it was. So if I'm going to go first because I don't want to pick a specific match, but I want to pick a specific moment from a match. Um, so it was during the the UK title match when uh, Tyler Bate jumped off the second rope and Pete Dunne just shouted "Have it!" and punched Tyler Bate in the face. <laughs> I thought that was absolutely brilliant. So that was my moment. Um, Maz, what about you? Um, that was pretty good. I I did pop for that. Um, I'm not sure to be honest. I think if I've, I've if I'm going to choose one, it's got to be the heel turn at the end. That yeah. was uh, my favourite thing of the entire show. Without it, to be honest, you know, the show would have been a just a kind of a you know kind of a above average show. To be honest, yeah, so, yeah, I'd go with that. Cool. And Callan. Um. Oh. Oh, God, it's been so much wrestling this week. <laughs> it's, all, it's all blurred lines for me now. Um, yeah. Uh, I I think Johnny Gargano eating shit off the ladder. Yeah. That's that fair uh, Outside of the hill, to, uh, the hill turn and the tag team split up, obviously. But, um, yeah, that'll be my go-to, I think. Yeah, it's been it's been a long week of wrestling. It's been, I think I've watched it every day, and I've got more tonight. I was so. going to say, well, we've got... <sighs> We've got backlash tonight, so Callan, you're going to be joining me again tomorrow to witness the Maharaja becoming the new WWE champion. Yes, it, it is happening. <laughs> I want it to happen. I so, do. Um, I really want it to happen. Yeah. Um. Yeah. We'll we'll have to see. <laughs> yeah. But no, guys, thank you again as always for for joining me for these little roundtables. Um. Enjoy backlash, Callan. I will speak to you tomorrow. 
Maz, I'll speak to you soon. Awesome, man. Cool. Cheers, yeah, guys. Cheers. cheers, Tim. Thank you. See you later, Tim. Bye. Bye. And, and bye, Callum. <laughs> bye bye. <laughs> Fuck you, man. See you, <laughs> see you yeah, later. See you guys later. Bye. See you later. folks a new wwe uk champion and pete dunn and probably one of the best tag team breakups we've seen in a very long time in wwe um i see a lot of wrestling fans moaning about the state of uh, nxt at the moment but i'm really excited with what they've got going forward uh, all the different talent they've got all the different possibilities as we mentioned in the chat tag team division could do with a bit of a shake-up but you've got to have faith in triple h and william regal we've seen they can do incredible things and they're probably going to carry on doing it, so have much faith in NXT for what's going to happen in the future. Uh, as always with these wrestling roundtables, please let us know what your thoughts of uh, NXT TakeOver Chicago were. Uh, tell us what your favourite match was, what you think is going to happen going forward with storylines, or just have a bit of a chat with us about it. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at just underscore and underscore insight. Uh, use the hashtag JAIpod. And, and we can, yeah, if you, if, you, if you let us know before the Backlash show, we can share some of your tweets on that show as well um as i mentioned at the top of the show we will be back on our regular tuesday show slot um where we will be discussing all things wwe backlash we'll be doing the normal poll over on twitter later on um so go have a little look at that uh but for now ladies and gentlemen thanks again for joining me on the justin insight podcast and i will see you soon